exactly does it mean to share your hotness? We all have our own unique spark. We are burning out of control like a wildfire, attracting attention, but is it the right kind of attention? All around us are people who are campfires. They don't get as much attention, but their story, their signature spark, their heat that attracts us close to them, those stories need to be shared. On this podcast, we're sharing their stories, their stories of resilience, overcoming, how to find joy, happiness, everyday people who found their spark and made their life amazing. Welcome to this episode of Share Your Hotness with your host, Lita Green, and my guest, Stacy Harris. Stacy and I have been friends for quite a bit of time. I'm guessing like eight or so years, you know? And um, anyway, I did not know about her having the story that she had. So it was so cool that I asked because if you like someone, you're like, hey, we'll be fine. We'll have a good conversation, right? Yes, ma'am. And you, and this is why we do this because you never know who in your circle of people that you already know and are enjoying as people that have a deeper story. And you're not going to know it unless you t- ask people. So I hand the floor to you, Stacy, to introduce yourself and let's dive into the goodness you've got to share today. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your hotness and your greatness with the world. I just prefer the title of hot. <laughs> yeah, well, it is really a cool title. Deem yourself hot, hot goddess. Yeah, I mean, what what can you do? You know, it's a problem. Uh, it's a great problem to have. Yeah, yeah. I, um, about, well, I know the marker because my son just turned 26. I ended up as a single mom, uh, with a brand new baby, a one and a two year old. And needless to say, my husband at the time did not bring me flowers. He brought me divorce papers in the hospital. What it like literally like not, not joking in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he finalized the divorce. I shouldn't say actual papers, but you know, we didn't have that little packet, but uh-huh. he said, I'm done. He came while you had the baby in the hospital. Did he hold the baby or just be like, I'm done. I don't want to No, be he, he held the baby. And my, my cute little guy at the time, I came into this world with some complications. And so we had some specialists and, and he came, um, uh, he left within less than an hour after the birth. And then I didn't know where he was. And my grandma had picked up, said, Hey, I still got babies. And, uh, so I didn't know where he was Friday night. And then I said, there's a specialist coming, uh, to check. My son had this eye jiggle thing uh-huh. specialist and, uh, he came in while the specialist was there. And after the specialist left, he had confirmed the divorce. Wow. And, uh, so yeah. It was, it was like, it was, oh, yeah. so interesting. custody, was he saying, I want 50, 50, or is it no, all? You? No, he didn't want No, I uh, actually was in Utah and we had built a home in Montana. And um, so he went back to Montana and I stayed here in Utah and then um, had family and, and said, Hey, I need a place to live. And so, um, so did you choose not to fight for your part of the house or did you just walked away from all that? Or I just, I pretty much just walked away from it Mm -hmm. and, um, knew that I needed more support than being in um, a place. And pretty much he had said, you got to leave. I'm keeping the house. And I, I wasn't working really. I was working a little part-time gig at the gas station. How long have you guys been married? Um, five ish years. 
five-ish years. And so you, did he ever pay any child support or anything like that? Um, interestingly enough within, he would hop jobs and I had uh, somebody that gave me some great advice that was six months into, uh, my divorce. He said, please never look back. Uh, you figure out how to do it on your own. Uh, I'll, I'll help. It was a religious provider that had said, Hey, you do your part. I'll do your, my part. Let's get you to college and coached me to get into college. And, uh, I, I said to this, this man, I said, listen, first of all, you have no idea who I am Very uh -huh. out of high school and, uh, uh, I have no money. And at that time, uh, from that time on my former husband ended up making some really hard choices and he put himself in prison. So I didn't have any child support. And I, and I guess the good news is, is he was not trying to, um, I mean, it sounds terrible. Cause I, I do believe, you know, kids, it's preferable to have a mom and a dad. Mm -hmm. However, if they're not going to be a parent, it's good for the, the parent who is going to be a parent to have full custody. Yes. Yeah. Very and much. So so. You had full custody. Cause and so that's good. But you know, the worst thing is when you have not the worst thing, but you know, this, it's a really hard dynamic to witness and to watch and to be a part of when the one parent doesn't want to be there. Yeah. And yet, you know, you know, <laughs> It, it was, I mean, granted it, you go through that process and knowing, cause there was so many women in the, the single mama community that would have that, um, you know, every other weekend. And then, and then the abusive spouse oh, was like, you've escaped an abusive yeah. spouse and now you have to send your kids yep. to go be with that abusive person. Yeah. It, and it was, I mean, when I looked at the whole picture, there was many times that I was very grateful for that, even as hard as it was not having that break or reprieve, but I had an amazing support system in my, my family and my church community. And, uh, so that piece was extremely helpful. Um, the, the thing that I personally dealt with is, is the shame of knowing that he was in prison. And I, I, for some reason decided that I would own that and think that was my problem. I love how you said that for some reason I thought, yeah. but I also liked how earlier you said he chose to put himself in prison. Yeah. No, he, he, yeah. You, you make enough I mean, mistake like, against the law. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's, it's so funny because we've gotten into this thing where there's like this, um, you know, that, that, um, I saw a friend post about that man that, you know, did the murder suicide in Southern Utah mm -hmm. and people were like, you need to be compassionate to him. And it's like, okay, clearly he had a mental health issue, but you know, we've had people who've had mental health issues who don't kill people. Yeah. It's kind of mean to say, oh, you have a mental health issue. You get a pass in life. Mm -hmm. Oh, something bad's happened to you. You get a pass in life. No, you do certain things like murder your family. Um, you know, or shoot up a school. I don't think we need to like worry about what happened to you. I think we should erase people's names like that and be like, don't be like that. I think that's okay to shame certain behaviors. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, it, it was interesting because I, that the first letter I received, um, I, I followed the counsel of this religious provider and I did get to college and, um, I was two, my kids at that time were two, three, and four. And wow. so you um, had three kids. I only caught the two. Yeah. I had a brand new baby and a one and a two year old. Oh, I, yeah. I was, I was older 
I mean, not that I was all. Oh, yeah. So you, he, he wasn't committed to the marriage, but you made three babies. You I made babies real fast. Was yeah. he pressuring you to want to have no. kids or was that no. you? No, no, not at all. Actually, I was older and the doctor, after the first one, the doctor had said, oh, by the way, you've been sick. Cause I was, I was anemic and had some other problems and it took you a minute to get pregnant. You should probably try again. So like uh-huh. the next day we tried and the next day we were pregnant and it was like, oh yeah, we're having two babies. Woo-hoo, right, right, right. And then the third one was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, how'd that happen? Oh, okay. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And- yeah. And so, um, you know, those, those little fun surprises and the kicker of that was, um, I was coming to Utah for the, the summer while our home was being built in Montana and he's just little kids. You don't want them in a construction. Kids. Yeah. And yeah. we were getting out of our rental and he was going to go live in on the trailer in you know, the, the, um, RV park. And that wasn't really conducive to two little ones. And mm-hmm. I've um, actually lived in a trailer with a two and a half year old and a baby. Yeah. And park. And you know, it was, uh, not easy because those yeah. doors, the little kids can open them very, very easily. So we just had a support. So I was going to come to Utah and, uh, he had asked me right before I was hauling up our 1973 apple green suburban and all loading it up. He goes, so do you want another baby? I went, no, not today. Well, yes. In the future, but just not today. He didn't say anything. And I called him back six weeks later and I said, I'm pregnant. He goes, yeah, I know. It's a little boy. Huh. And it was, I mean, it, it, it really was. And so interestingly enough, I mean, you know, that uh, fine young man of mine, they're now 26, 27 and 28. Oh, they're all boys. Uh, my and... middle one is a daughter. So okay. I Cause I'm like, man. Yeah. Three boys in a row. Boom, boom, boom. That's a lot. A no, lot. I, I got the, that beautiful girl. So did he have any engagement or try to have engagement in their lives? Um, He was, he did come when they were two, three, and four. He was not in the prison yet and um, came to uh, interact with the kids. And um, so that time, yes. And then shortly after that, um, he was sent to prison and then he was paroled when they were six, seven, and eight. And the reason why I know that is that's the, the year that I graduated. And, uh, um, so I was like, oh my gosh, I'm graduating. And I worked very closely with the parole officer and I'm like, is he going to steal my kids across the lines? And they, you know, they were very kind and say, Hey, Mrs. Harris, it's on you. If you don't want him to have this connection, I'm like, no, no, I, I'm not going to do that. I want them to to have well, the it. thing is, then you make, make them into a myth. Yeah. And I, I know that's not my intention at all. And so he came for a few days and it was, I knew what I mean by myth, like mythical, desirable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've got to know my roots when it's like, when you know where you came from, it's like, oh, okay. That's where I came from. And, and it was good. Yeah. It, it really was. I'm, I'm very grateful. And, and, uh, so then within just a few short months after that, um, he was, you know, he had paroled and then he was back in prison that fall. And, um, so it, uh, you know, that was a hard road. And then ask what, what he was engaged in that kept giving him a location at the prison. uh, That's a great question. And I can truthfully say, um, by advice, um, I never investigated. So I do know there was myth mishaps with money. 
Okay. Um, I don't know because I um, did, again, I was canceled. Stacy, don't ever waste your time. Don't yeah. investigate. And so I never did. Because and you are tethering yourself to some drama. I, I pretty much cut the ties of him and what he, he, he did. Um, I'm not going to say there was heartache and hardship that took place. Course, yeah. I would get here. I was on welfare and I got back in the day when you had a phone. Yep. The dial phones. Yep. And you had to pick it up. Yep. I was at work and my kids would get these collect calls and I would get them on my little, you know, Mountain Bell AT&T statement that said $45 for 15 minutes. I'm like, what is that? (sighs) Oh man, that's a, that's a collect call. Someone in your home accepted a collect call. Uh, And I'm like, what? Wait a minute. Um, you know, yeah. so there was some things like that. And there was some things that he, uh, probably the, one of the best conversations I re- overheard, um, you know, wanted to be that mom that was listening. Right. Right. He called and I accepted it. And, uh, my youngest son had said, so what are you in prison for? And of course I didn't hear their dad's, uh, conversation. I would, oh, really? Well, I, I've got time. And, um, then all of a sudden the phone call was done. It was that quick. I was out there doing some weeding during the flowers and was uh-huh. here. And right. I said, so tell me what, that was quick. What happened? He goes, Oh, I asked him what he was in prison and he didn't want to talk about it. So I said, it's okay. We can stop talking then goodbye. And I went, Oh my gosh, <laughs> he knows, he knows that was so cool. So Um, There was a lot of the things that uh, we don't know. We know that there was some theft and some misdeeds with money. Don't know how deep, don't know how much. Right. And again, the, the beautiful thing is you, by having people just say, don't be chasing after this guy for the next 20 years for child support, just move on. Right. Just, and, and it, it, it worked on my behalf because um, it actually gave me the space and the independence and the confidence as hard as welfare was. I'm not saying that it's not there. You know, I had a a child with um, some disabilities. We were in the system for a long time. That system supported me with, with, you know, food stamps, with financial uh, support, even, you know, my, my medical benefits, which I was so grateful for. Um, and it was extremely difficult when I had a caseworker. I I had my son in the hospital with pneumonia. I show up barely cleaning my teeth because I'd slept in the hospital for two days. And she looked at me and she said, you're going back to college and you're still going to stay on welfare. And I said, yes. And I could see her family picture over to the side. And mm-hmm. she, she, you could tell that she was annoyed and I said to her, I said, you know, there's, there's something different. I need to create income for two, for two. So ad- she was upset. You were going to college and uh, taking welfare instead mm-hmm. of realizing that could get you off welfare. And that wasn't, I, I wasn't working. I had, I was cleaning. Honestly, I started a little, um, uh, cleaning business. I was just cleaning anybody else, anybody's house and toilet that I could. Mm-hmm. And I was making, uh, about $1,100 a month. Wow. And my yeah. daycare at the time was about close to 900. 
$900. And so that it wasn't making sense. And yeah. so I quit my job. I quit doing the house cleaning and I went back. I needed to report that. Right. So that adjust my benefits and she was not pleased with me quitting working. Okay. But did she not, did she just want you to stay on welfare forever at a crappy job that wouldn't ever get you advanced? Well, she didn't like that. I wasn't getting money in and yeah, I mean, and so here I was with no sleep, bad breath, no makeup on. And I looked right at her and I said, there's something that's different between you and I, I have to generate income for two adults in a family. And I pointed to her family picture and I gently said, I don't have two incomes coming in. Yeah. I said, so it just will be temporary. Because $1,100 with another $1,100, you can maybe make that work. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's tight and you're still going to get, you're still going to get food stamps on that, but you're not going to get yourself off of that. I had, um, when we lived in New Hampshire, they had a state law that said every single, um, the insurance companies can't ask any questions about your health history. So I went from where benefits in Oklahoma for me would be about 140 bucks a month to almost $800 a month. Oh, wow. Because insurance companies had to assume that you were jumping out of planes and Mm -hmm. a drunk driver or whatever, you know, whatever kind of risk you were. So it made it untenable. So on like 65% of the state was on some form of welfare because of this whole system. And it was preparing the way to have people clamor for socialized medicine. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had these next door neighbors that he had had. Um, he had unfortunately had a drunk driving incident, so he was not allowed to drive. And so the only way for them to have the both of them working, which they needed to do was that they would work kind of opposite shifts. Mm-hmm. So they'd be two ships passing in the night, which is very hard. Mm-hmm. You know, but he was hardworking and he was definitely um, repentant about what had happened. And though somebody hadn't been killed, they had been hurt and they would have, they weren't, I didn't get the full extent of their hurt, but it was something that tormented him. And he was very sad about it. And he was, uh, you know, graciously trying to pay his debt by the consequence of not being able to drive. Okay. And he was like 10 years or something like that. So I knew them in the middle of all of this and they had two little kids and he got a raise at his job, mm. like a dollar 50 an hour. Isn't that so great? And, but they were sad. And I was like, why are you guys sad? He got a raise. Well, it took them $18 over the line that they could stay on the benefits that they had through, you know, for their health insurance for their children. Mm-hmm. And so she ended up taking a lesser job to stay within the system, to stay within the system because they just couldn't see that $18 difference. No, unfortunately it is extremely difficult because I remember being there, but it's so sad because it was like the system forced them to be on the system. Now we were getting, um, we were getting WIC at the time and health insurance for our kids. You know, so we were in the system, you know, um, I wasn't taking the food stamps, um, and I wasn't getting any like subsidized rent or anything like that. You know, I I wasn't fully on full, the full benefits I might've qualified for, but I was getting WIC and health insurance was the main thing, you know, that I had coverage for my kid. You know, if he got, if he got sick, he would go to the, go to the doctor. Yeah. Yeah, Helpful. And, um, 
but you know, I had that my husband was in school. And at the end of that, we went from, you know, living on 25 to 28,000 a year to 98,000. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was like mind blowing crazy, but I'm like, why, why would you not encourage people on a sliding scale of benefits from full benefits to, you know, a little bit of help, like what we were getting, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To reward them. To keep or- moving forward. You know, reward, like you get to be on welfare for max 10 years, mm-hmm. unless there's some kind of extenuating circumstance and he does a different thing, da, da, da. you know, but instead of like giving people this opportunity to be like, okay, you need to figure out how to do better. What job training you're going to be in, what skills you're going to working in, you know, are you going to be going to college? You're going to be going to a trade school. Are you going, you know what I mean? Figuring out how we can use this social network to actually help people improve their situation instead of penalizing them because they got a race. No, I, I lived it. It was absolutely, it was extremely that gut feeling inside of like, how am I going to do this? But you wanted to do it. I, the problem I is some people no, they don't. don't. And I'm thrilled out of our minds. I love that we have this there for people. So we don't have little children panhandling on the street mm-hmm. like you do in third world countries. Yeah you know, cause they're hungry. Mm-hmm. I I'm thrilled that we have WIC and Medicaid and, um, you know, subsidized housing, all these kinds of things for people, but we got, it's gotta be better. Right. Ah, it, you know? it does. It makes it very, very difficult. And because I had the hope I, I could see that, that cap and I didn't want to stay there. I wanted to yeah. be a contributor. And, um, there was that, that swing of, there were months we went out without insurance. There was, there was, you know, it it was because I made X amount of dollars too much having my little X amount of dollar job. And, um, yeah. And I was, um, this is sick. This is a sick part of the story. My husband got a job for one summer that paid, you know, we thought like, so gazillion dollars. Yeah. Like a gazillion dollars. I think it was like, 2000 a month or something, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and then I still had my little business, you know, that I had selling makeup, you know, and mm-hmm. cleaning houses. So anyway, for the summer, we relocated to Oregon, you know, and had no benefits because we weren't poor. We were like 3000, like 3,700 a month or something, right. Between our two incomes. So, you know, we, we think we're wealthy, you know, uh-huh. and then I go back to New Hampshire and I was like, okay, what does it look like to be making sure we get Medicaid. And they're like, well, how much you make making this month? And I said, well, we just made, and she's like, no, I'm not asking last month. I'm asking this month. And I was like, we were still living cheap. So we had savings. They didn't care. No. So I felt like I was committing welfare fraud, but I wanted in case my kid had Nathaniel had a little bit of ear infections and, you know, just little things. I was nervous about making sure we're staying on it. You know, and I was pregnant with Elsa. So I needed to have, you know, the welfare checks, you know, for, um, you know, going to the doctor for, you know, prenatal. And I'm like, I felt so bad because we had like $5,000 in savings or something, which was just so much money. But they didn't care. As long as I didn't have any major assets, I could have access to all these benefits. And there's 
all this paperwork that I would fill out and I would just click the box of what I felt like I needed. And I just needed that little bit of extra food help. Mm -hmm. Mostly I needed the insurance, you know, the, the equivalent of insurance. And it's just crazy to me that I could have just completely worked the system. I could have lied like how much money I was making because it was my own business. Mm -hmm. And they just trusted me that I was telling the truth. It's, I mean, I, and, and that's, that's the beautiful part about them, them doing that. And there are those trustworthy families like us that. Right. But then my other family, because he had a W2, it was in black and white, what he was making. So he's $18 over. So too bad for him. Yeah. I, I, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Okay. We agree. Let's go back to your story. We agree. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) Well, it, it, it was a, a pretty, you know, it was paperwork. We showed up to our appointments and uh, a time passed and I, I did my due diligence. I um, went to college and uh, took some time to get a grown up job because it's, um, oh, thank you, Mrs. Harris. It looks like you've got great papers and you got that little diploma, but where's your experience? Oh, and no. so, <laughs> so no experience, but here's, here's the cool piece of paper that says I'm deemed and you yeah, know, what field were you going into? Well, that was the interesting thing. I, I knew that I couldn't do math and I for sure couldn't speak, you know, couldn't do English. So I knew I could talk. So I went into corporate training and ah. I thought I can be a public speaker. I can know how to talk. I could do that. And um, so I went into the communications with an emphasis uh-huh. on corporate training and uh, a minor in sales. Uh-huh. And so um, I've been able to uh, be in that field and I've done, you know, really well. And uh, has there been some hiccups and some hard things? And yes, I took a turn and about lost my house, my lunch and and whatnot. And uh-huh. <laughs> thinking now I got four jobs. How can I, how can I do this? And oh man. And so um, it it's a beautiful gift. I think the thing that I learned most in college was learning how to learn. Yes. Which I think is, um, one of the things that a college degree says is, you know, how to do that. Yeah. It, it's, I, I mean, um, you know, cause you know how to at least pass off the paper that the teacher yes. wants. And, yeah. You know, I, fit, I, fill a, this is what they're looking for. This is the goal, you know? Yeah. Yep. So I'm how not- long was it after college before you got a job in your field? It was about three years. Oh, and- so you went back to, uh, cleaning toilets or what did you do? I did anything and everything. I ended up at a call center, uh, which interestingly enough, um, all the skills that I learned in a call center, I ended up uh, doing what I do is a, you know, inside sales and work in the insurance world. Yeah. Yeah. I serve people over the phone and over the internet. And so I learned how to sit and communicate over the phone, Mm -hmm. video chat And, uh, so, um, you know, those little stepping stones actually put me in a place. I mean, I didn't think that I'd ever do inside sales. Like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) And, uh, I've done some uh, personal coaching and, and speaking on, on the flip side of what, um, keeping in the personal development world, that's been a a good service for me and be able to. Was your college tuition subsidized because you were a single mom? 
Actually, um, one of the reasons why I do what I do now is because I would fill out anywhere from 20 to 30 applications for scholarships each year. Ooh. And I would yeah. get, I would get one to six of them. And uh -huh. so I, I had a personal donor that helped me with rent. I had um, uh, another uh, grant that helped me with some tuition and books. And then all of the uh, scholarship money that I would receive, you get your funding uh, on the same time frame as your Pell Grant money comes in twice a year. Okay. So I would take all of those funds and I would divide it up into six. Right, right. So I would get, it. it, it I had about about $400, $450 every month uh, that I lived off of that would pay for my, uh, my gas and my insurances and my utilities and, and uh, babies were still in diapers and wet wipes. And mm -hmm. so when you say a personal donor, does that mean somebody who said, I believe in you? Mm -hmm. Yep. Somebody who helped pay with her the rant. That is, that is very good. I love knowing there are people like that, that just say, Hey, you know, cause they've done you know, as, as much as we've, you know, said, I'm really glad that we have a safety net in our society because it's, you know, nobody wants homeless children, you know? No. no. Um, but we also have to take the opportunity to be charitable mm -hmm. and to help others and to give without the government or our church doing it for us. It, it was, it was a, um, you know, granted it was, um, a, a long haul. And there was a lot of, a lot of stuff that I swallowed of knowing that I needed to help and needed the help. And, um, um, so it, um, probably the thing that reminds me the most is knowing that it wasn't like that forever. And that I, it's almost thought I'd have conversations with myself mm. Stacey, it's yeah. not gonna be like this forever. And that's why it's so sad to tell the human soul, this is as good as it gets. Yeah. And it, and it's not, I'm here. If to you look at, you know, if you're into vibration or the Bible or whatever, you know, hope, the power of hope is so incredibly important mm -hmm. um, that it hope in the vibration of like how it vibrates, they've tested it with water, but hope has the highest vibration. And I think it was shame that had the lowest. For I, that resonates so well with me is because there was a, a time in my life where I was hopeless mm -hmm. and I, I ended up, um, in twice in junior high and once as a, in my early twenties, uh, um, uh, attempting suicide. No. And so when you look at that of the hopelessness compared to the hopefulness, right, right that, that is huge. And, and I, I didn't have a, the hope for myself. Such a powerful story too, to somebody who's a teenager who might be struggling with that. The teenage brain says, this is it. This is permanent. And your story wasn't like, oh, I graduated from high school and then everything was perfect. Mm -hmm. There was still lots and lots of struggle, but in the, in the midst of the struggle, you were able to think and feel differently about it to be having hope. Lita, the, the thing that was powerful for me is that I didn't have the confidence and the hope in myself. Mm. I borrowed other people's. Did you know you could do that? Oh yeah. Maybe, I, I mean, you know, yeah, I did know that. I mean, I studied me. confidence, but yeah. that is, and you know, I speak on it and everything, but that is what is so crazy is it is what you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. Your friends, your they media, me. and yeah, and all of that feeds into 
what you're going to become at the end of each day. And there is no skill set that we own. Like I have a hammer in my garage. I have a skill saw and you can't take those away from me in theory, right? I'm not talking about stealing, but that's not what emotional tools are that they just sit there and you have them. You have to actually use them, get them out, apply them every single day to build that day. Mm-hmm. You know, and so people are like, there isn't an arrival point of I've got everything figured out and all together. No, no, not at all. And so because there was such a, you know, people around me, um, family, church community, uh, college professors that pulled me aside and noticed I had one that said, I noticed that you come and you're struggling. I mean, I would come with puffy eyes and crying um, because I, I had a, I had a rule for myself. Like, listen, just get, I heard somebody once say C's get degrees. And all you have to do to show up is to show up. You'll get a C I'm like, okay, I can show up. So I'd play this game with my head. Like when I was so things were so heavy Uh and I'm like, okay, listen, if you just show up, you can leave after 10 minutes. Well, by the time I got there, I was either too embarrassed to leave. uh, The lecture was good or the yuckiness had already dissolved. And so I was, I was in, I was enveloped. (laughs) So needless to say, there was a lot of good grades. I did my work and, um, you know, so I had, I played those little But A lot of life is showing up, but it's interesting how you kind of create a pathway to mediocrity for yourself, but you didn't take it. No, no. Yeah. And, and so, you know, when the, the, the message is, is that your brain, your brain plays tricks and you can buy in or you can divert it to right. how you want to make it work. Yeah. Massage that a little I bit. I joke later. about the inner five-year-old. Yes. You know, like you can get a kid onto any topic you want just by being like, look over here. What, what's that? Right. Yeah. And, and there's the inner five-year-old that can be like, nope, I'm not, I'm not going to think of, I'm not going to do that right now. <laughs> you, know, you can just kind of get yourself going in a different direction, yeah. how powerful that is and how damaging that can be as well. Yes. Right? Yep. We, Both sides of the coin. Oh, here. nobody likes me. Oh, why does nobody like me? Let's think about what, you know, and going deep into all of those, you know, which, you know, is from he who is poopy. Yeah. Yeah. wants us to have our life stink, you know? So, okay. So you've gone through welfare, you've gotten yourself through college. You've had people that have donated and supported and uplifted you. So everyone listening, if you feel like you need to go help somebody help them because it was different sources, you know, from government, private. Yeah. I got that. Like, that's what I'm saying is if you think, oh, it's no big deal, but you know, 50 bucks to that single mom a month. You know, that if that's all you can do, if you think, okay, I'm going to help support you on college and I can do $50, you know, like, you know, or the person who, you know, was able to manage your rent. I mean, like, you know, it doesn't have to be such a big, huge thing. It's just every little bit helped your story, helped you get on that path. Mm-hmm. And um, am I correct that you have remarried? No, no. Okay. I, I have not yet. And people are like, how come you haven't done that? I'm like, my kids were so tiny that I, I did not want to. Yeah, well, you didn't have time when they're little. I didn't have time. Going to school. And yeah. I also had a lot of examples from a lot of other women 
that jumped back into relationships because they yeah. didn't want to be alone. And right. but that, I not myself, being alone is not a good reason to be I'm, getting married. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And so I, I have made, I consciously made a decision. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And so now it just got into the habit of, I feel like I can, I can go to the movie. I traveled across the United States. I lived in the South for the summer. I'm yeah. like, I've traveled here. I'm like, and now, I now um, it is a little bit different because, oh, that would be fun. What would it be like to have somebody? But it, it really just got to be a habit of just being alone and yeah. entertaining. And I'm, and my rule of thumb was if I cannot be comfortable with myself mm-hmm. in my alone space, yeah. Then. Yep. I got some work to do. hundred percent. No, I, um, marriage does not solve our problems. No. If, if, if you're married to someone who's, you know, a good person is working hard on their relationship as well, it still doesn't solve your problems, but mm-hmm. it can be an enhancement of your skills and opportunities and what you conquer in life together. But it's, it's rolling the dice and I'm a big fan of marriage. Yeah. I'm a I big too. fan, I yeah, too. You know, but I don't want, I don't want people listening being like, Whoa, wait a minute. You know? Yeah. Um, but you know, when you have little people, it, it is an, an added thing. And, you know, sadly, you know, those horrible stories of, you know, the, the guy that's a pedophile that seeks out the single mom, you know, I mean, all these kinds of things, it's like, you really need to make sure that this person is who you think they are. Yeah. No, it's so true. I've had, I had the best experience. It was so much fun. Somebody reached out on social media to me and, and I did my due diligence. I Uh copied and pasted his picture. I, you know, he told me where he worked. I called the work. I did all, he was totally fictitious, but I had the best pretend boyfriend experience. It was absolutely so much fun. I, and because I knew that there was some rules because I hadn't been in the dating world for so long. Yeah. I set up a list of rules. I would not reach out to him. I wouldn't do it at this time. Uh-huh. And, and so there was that needy girl that, Oh, is he going to text me? Is he going to do that? And so right. I was able to, to have, see what I would actually do being back into right. the dating field. Well, and now dating you know, um, I mean, I'm a believer in God will dictate and guide and all that kind of stuff, you know, but now, you know, with your kids, the youngest being 23 is, did I remember 26, that right? 26, 26. Do you have grandbabies yet? No, we have grand puppies, which grand are puppies, but the point dogs. being, you know, you have, you, you know, you're almost like you're, you're, you know, a 20 something again, cause you're not risking if that relationship is not what you think you can take all the time in the world to get to what you, what you want it to be. But, you know, you can meld a life with somebody without any complications of the kid being like, yeah, I don't really like them. Yeah. And my, my children have really encouraged me uh, to, and, um, and so, I mean, like, yeah, let, let me do that. Yeah. Let me start thinking. And so I, you know, I've gone on a few single sites and, um, done a little bit of dating. And, um, so that's been, that's been fun and new in the last year and a half. Yes. And, love um, it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a whole yeah. new world for sure. Well, you'll have to keep me posted. Are you around my age? I'm guessing you're just a teeny bit older. I'm 49. I'm, I am, a, let's say a teeny. I just turned, um, 56. I'll turn 57. Okay. I know someone who's 53. 
Oh, very nice. You know, so maybe I'll uh, introduce you to. I would love that. Yeah. That would be fun. Yeah. So, you know, um, good guy. Good guy. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, and I, like I, know, good guys. I know someone who's 49, so I would not introduce because, you know, the, the, the age thing and yeah. Cause I'm over again and, yeah. you know, but you know, it's, it's, it's good to introduce people. Cause you never know. No, I love, I love introducing people, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes they come back and they say, yeah, they're crazy. And I'm yeah. like, Oh, I didn't know that because yeah. I'm not dating them. <laughs> <laughs> there is a difference. <laughs> this particular person is not crazy. I know them very well. No. It's my, I'm brother. not, I'm not, I, didn't, <laughs> I, did, I once was crazy and I've, yeah. But you know, li- life is too short to have too much of the crazy, but you know, some of the things that I'm picking up on through your story is, you know, really hard long-term situations that have really hard outs that you found a way within your own self to find that resilience and that hope, mm-hmm. you know, and again, resilience is, is not a destination. It's a choice again and again and again and again. And that meant a lot of crying in the bathroom and telling yourself you got this and, I don't No, you do. No. Okay. I've got my three kids, you know, and that you, you found a way to do that. And that's incredibly relatable and inspiring. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? But that's something that if somebody's in that dark right now, like listen to that. Yes. Think about what this story was that, you know, Stacey just shared with us and realize, you know, not, not trying to down you, you're just a normal person. Like we all are. And, and yep. there's, I mean, if the list can go on, I mean, I can give you the check boxes of sexual abuse, um, you know, children with disabilities, we have addiction, we had eating disorders. I mean, it's just not one little checkbox. Right. Right. The and list. nobody's life is, and that's no. what's so damaging abilities. Yeah. About these, you know, these little snippets that we get of what we think people's lives are or what we think their challenges are. I think it's really funny because people be like, Lita, I wish I had your life. And I'm like, Hmm, I think they're just seeing, um, the, the success. I I know they're not seeing the actual, I had somebody once who was like, you'd be a funny reality commercial TV show. And I'm like, hilarious, hilarious. So dumb. No, it would be the most boring show ever. Because I wake up in the morning, I'm doing my little exercises and then I, you know, I kind of do what I wake up the house and then I go to the office, which is upstairs and, and then I I cook dinner, you know, I mean, that's my day-to-day life. And sometimes there's these really fun social media moments where I'm, you know, speaking to a crowd of a few hundred or, you know, Uh whatever, but the day-to-day life is just like everyone. Like, like everyone else's life. Yes, I have dirty dishes. I have dirty laundry. With the fruit. Yeah, is that you just do the hard today. Yeah. And then you and do it, the next hard thing and the next hard thing. And that all adds up to really looking forward. My my college-age son's coming over tonight. We have a family outing. You know, like these are these are the moments. These are the moments right here, you know? <laughs> And, but it's, it's not exciting. It just looks exciting because I'm saying it in a fun way. And I am having a great time because I've been through so many hard things. When I turned 50, I had a big old party. 
I, I seriously, I told everybody I'm having a party. I wanted uh-huh. a big balloon arch, which I got. I wanted a taco bar. I wanted a band. <laughs> like why, you know, like usually people like poo poo their 50th. And I'm like, no, first of all, I made it to 50. I didn't yeah, die yeah. and I didn't kill anybody. It's a big right. old I celebration. Mean, that's, yeah. And, and, it, and I have And I'm sure you could think of a couple of people that you had a lot of feelings towards. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> and the, the truth of the matter was I have 50 years of my life left. Yep. I spent the first 50 in pain and shame and sadness and hurt. No, I don't think you even gave it that long. And I'm like, why do I, I only, I have 50 years left. Uh-huh. Yeah. I actually that. just yeah. said this to a friend today. Um, I just said this to a friend that I am letting go of something that's, you know, that I've, you know, and she's like, why are you doing it? And I said, because I'm not going to let it tether me anymore. Yep. Amen. You know, I'm just not nobody else. Nobody else knew those tethers. You're the only one that's feeling it. Right. And it's not, and I'm not saying that, I mean, there was something I just shared with somebody like last Sunday, I was visiting with a friend and I had said, you know what? I have been dealing with this for years. (laughs) I don't know what else to do. I've done X, Y, Z. And the most beautiful thing that she said, ask yourself, ask your brain, ask your heart, please show me something new. And it was so absolutely beautiful. And getting, as they often say, stuck in our story, stuck in our patterns, feeling hopeless, Mm -hmm. tie us down to not being able to be the more. Yes. And now there's more. I just created room for more. Absolutely. I love it. And it's, it is. It's a lot more fun to have more. There is so much more fun. I promise. You don't have to stay there forever. I was just about to say, what's your parting wisdom? And then you started going into it. (gasps) You're like, there's more. There is more. I mean, because when I looked years ago, when I was on welfare, I would have never thought that I could have created a foundation for single moms to tell them that there's more. Yeah. I'm not any different than anybody else listening and experience since this podcast, the only difference between us is that I've owned what has taken place in the sorrow, which gives me the ability to own as much amazingness as the pain. Well, a thousand percent. I always say I get both. darkness you've been exposed to, you're entitled to the equality of that light. If there right. is, if there's balance, if we believe in the planet, that is there there's opposition in all things. If there's, we got sunshine, we got this, we got the water, we got the The yin and the yang. Exactly. It's going to, I get as much amazingness as much pain and sorrow that I've experienced. And it's a lot. So this is, if you don't have the hard, you're not thankful when the good comes along and you, and if you're not thankful, if you can't approach life in gratitude, you're like, what's that? Yeah. Why do I want that? Yeah. So it's, it's really, uh, there's such a piece about it and it's a lot easier to live Lita. But what's so great about this is what you took your heart. And when creating your foundation for these other moms is you're giving them that added layer of support, Mm -hmm. that extra measure that they can surround themselves with that hope. It's one of the donors looked at me and said, and I, cause I asked him, I said, what, how can I thank you enough for what you've done? You've given me a scholarship three years in a row. And he looked at me and he said, please just pay it forward. And so when I had my little tiny bit of savings that, um, um, 
you know, I had, I borrowed money from every Tom, Dick and Harry and the neighbor. And I was in a position to pay it all back. And somebody had said, please keep this and pay it forward. And that's when the I Can, I Am Foundation oh, was created. I love that. And it was, it was so much fun because I, I had some, and then somebody else had some, and then, you know, to create hope, honestly, yeah. you said it earlier, hope is a powerful word with a very strong vibration. And if I can bundle up a little bit of it to give you to get one more step closer yep, and then to adjust your world in the moment, then there is peace to that. I've done that. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Cause you know, we get so wrapped up in what's the outcome of something instead of the process is the becoming. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. And, and when you're becoming, you can't help, but have different outcomes. Absolutely. But if you're motivated, it's your trajectory. Exactly. Changes. You know, but you are, if you're just stuck and it has to look and be a certain way, you may not be where you're think you're supposed to be, you know? Yeah. I love it. We could keep talking, but um, so I want to thank you, Stacy, for coming on, sharing your story and the genesis of how you are able to pass it on to others and to the single moms that are listening out there. I hope you could hear Stacy's heart and that get that hope. And um, for those that would like to donate to her foundation or look at it, we'll have all of that in the show notes. And we really appreciate you guys um, listening to this episode of share your hotness and thank you stacy for being on you are so welcome and uh, i i appreciate the opportunity to be here it's been a beautiful experience and um graciously thank you for talking about the donations but i put a plug in for that if you are a single mom or you do know of a single mom going to college uh we accept applications every year and that's i mean it's uh it's a beautiful process oh, very to, cool. to get those so you're very specifically giving back in a, a way to help them do exactly what you've done be the beautiful i love it thank you so much stacy harris for being on you're welcome thank you you're doing great work oh <laughs> thank you <laughs>